this, I'm, I'm gonna start with a little bit of banter and freeform because I just, my brain, my, my hair, my hair is standing up right now. My hair is literally standing up right now. It doesn't have anything to do with this episode. It just has to do with the fact that my hair stands up naturally and I hate it. <laughs> and, but I haven't gotten a haircut in like a month because of this stupid thing. But yeah. What stupid thing? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Don't, stop, don't start with me now. I'm already on edge enough as it is because of this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't. There's a reason why most people hate TV finales. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with quality. It has to do with the fact that just people don't react emotionally well. They don't have, like, a logical reaction. Like, there was a thing that your brain does when it has an emotional reaction versus a logical reaction. And there's always a very definitive difference. And the reason why most TV finales suck is because people cannot emotionally grapple with the fact that the TV finales, that their favorite TV show is going away forever, probably. Not most likely now because we are in the age of reboots. But still, True. you know what I'm talking about. I know what about. you're talking about. And I hope that that was an unsubtle enough transition into what we're talking about because I don't do well with subtlety. I kind of <laughs> hate it, even oh, though God. I wish there was more of it in movies. And I just realized I, I've, I've been talking a lot and I haven't let you talk at all so far. Well, I mean, first off, Dom, I think just in keeping in the format of how we've been sort of starting these things post-quarantine how you holding up in this whole quarantine and all post -quarantine? that post-quarantine well, what are you talking about post-quarantine we're still in quarantine quarantine is not oh up. yeah what are you talking about post-quarantine wishful thinking Jesus i guess Christ. i meant to say since quarantine but so i guess are you like have you entered a, into an, an even more delusional <laughs> state where you're just like envisioning your room as like an escape from reality even though it's like it, what, what is that it's like schrodinger's cat almost where it's like you're <laughs> almost like fantasizing a reality in which uh, you can both exist within and out of your room i don't know physics i'm making shit up as i go yeah along. man well i think based off what i just said that could be used as an indication to the guests to our, our faithful listeners of how i'm doing in this quarantine so dom how are you yeah. doing in this quarantine before we really dive into I'm the topic working. today <laughs> i'm working but i also feel like i've literally entered what, what, what is it like um like the quantum loop where i'm just like circling in and out and going through the motions every day and i'm like oh okay so this is why most adults like hate their lives because yeah they have to do this stuff day in and day you're out starting to see it all huh? the time yeah yeah i've, I've been and, seeing it and how been does it look it. <laughs> it's awful i hate it i hate every single minute gotcha. of it. So you must be really happy to be here right now yeah, I'm both happy and miserable. Oh, okay. Oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. Openings, in alluding, yeah, you get it. In alluding to my opening statement, you threw me for a loop again. there for a second, but I get it. Well, well, because my whole thing is that I don't usually do well with finales, but I also usually can keep in mind the fact that a, I wasn't around for most finales when they aired, so the kind of the overall emotional impact that is going through the most people's minds usually doesn't sit on me. Like I recognize the Breaking Bad finale was awesome, but I also didn't watch it when it originally came out. The I think the first the the first two finales I think that I've actually sat through in recent memory first shows have been Game of Thrones and BoJack Horseman. Game of Thrones, everybody knows that reaction. I had my own personal thoughts withstanding, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, but but also I felt like I had like a little bit of a different connection to Game of Thrones. I wasn't watching it as like an obsessed person watching it. It's like, oh, this is the new thing every week, you know? Like I was into it. It's like no, because I I like Game of Thrones and BoJack Horseman. That was like okay, that was a really nice, sweet, tender wrap up. But this finale that we're talking about today, it's a little bit of an unorthodox one because again, to honor something that I don't think we brought up yet so far on this episode, to honor 
the not only today, we our recording date, May the 4th, obviously. I'm not going to do the dumb Star Wars quote. I could leave that to the rest of you guys Happy to say Happy May the 4th, it, everyone. But, okay, yeah, <laughs> sure. But also... The fact that we're we're doing if, if I can spoil a little bit of things that we're doing ahead of time, we've I would got a love little that. bit of a month of festivities planned, if you will. If you guys have been following us up to this point, you guys know that we've been doing a lot of collaborations recently, a lot of different cool people that we've met so far since we spread into YouTube. Uh, I don't want to compare us to a virus because <laughs> viruses usually have poor taste, and especially yeah. now, given everything that's going on. Uh, that just with the overall political climate, that might not be the best thing to do to compare us well, to a virus. Well, where are you going with but even that, still, I guess? I can say, it, well, the whole thing is that we've kind of infected the YouTube <laughs> space, but in a way, in a positive way. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to do a positive spin on this while also hopefully deterring from my rambling. But the point being, guys, it's Star Wars month. It's May. We're into the second third of the year. Well, I can't believe already four months have gone through this year. Crazy. And guys... It, it, it's also a sad occasion because I thought that we were going to have another week to wait for this, but alas, we didn't because as there were only a two days, there was only a two day span between the second to last episode and the last episode of the great Star Wars, the Clone Wars. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, I was going to say we should just get right into this. So I'm really glad that yeah. you took it there, Dom. I, because... mean, I mean, the only thing that I'll say is that we had a little bit of a rocky start when we first started recording if we could draw a little bit of attention back to that. i know you don't like to draw attention to this stuff but I, I, that that's exactly why we are partners because i love drawing attention to this stuff i love exposing mistakes it just makes me laugh even when it's my <laughs> own but well because we had on that fateful day i remember that was if i'm remembering correctly our third to last episode that we recorded before this whole quarantine yeah, how many did we in. do back then we did so so before the quarantine so that was the week before invisible man and then we had onward and then after onward, that was when the quarantine set in. But we already had Westworld planned, so we were kind of just able to pick up and go from there. And then, of course, I was able to discover this lovely little trinket, which got started with us with Lost. But our first Clone Wars episode that we recorded, we had such a bomb episode because it was your introduction to the Clone Wars. You'd never seen a single episode before. And we watched the premiere episode for the final season, which, as most people, I already gushed about this in the la on the premiere episode, so I'm not going to gush too hard about it. I had been waiting a long time for this season, and I didn't even know for sure if we were going to get it. But we got it, and it was awesome, despite the fact that some may argue that a majority of the season was filler. And I can understand those arguments, but you were blown away, to say the least, and I'm really glad that you were. To As, say the least. And, and, and what, what, what were your exact words, would you say, when you were talking about the Clone Wars specifically in terms of your relationship to Star Wars? Yeah, I mean, it, it brought back my love for Star Wars. It, it re-sparked everything that I knew to be amazing and awesome about a franchise that, quite frankly, was dying by the hands of Disney. So, to put it, yeah, to put it, it lightly... And to put it lightly, yes, <laughs> yes, Chris, you brought back your anti-Disney rhetoric. I was missing oh. that. I, I was worried that the MC, I was worried the MCU would turn you for a minute, and I'm like, no, Chris, we need that hater of everything back on our side. It was for never a bit. not there. But I was just trying to be a little more open-minded, and I tried. Let's put it that okay. way. I tried. Okay. We'll save it for our Marvel right. episode you, in a few weeks. Hey, I tried. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, I, I'm looking forward to that. But but without spoiling anything too bad. So guys, for all of you who live under a rock. Or have no idea of anything that's going on. Hey, if anything, I actually am kind of jealous of you people because you people probably don't even realize that there's a virus going on right now. <laughs> but wow. which could go either one of which could go either one of two ways here. But that being said, so today, the day of a recording, May the fourth, was the long-awaited series, not just season, series finale for 
Star Wars The Clone Wars entitled Victory and Death. And, ah, oh God, I don't, Chris, we were talking about this before, and I don't even know where to begin with this episode because, God, you know what? Screw it. I've talked enough. You talk for a little bit now. I, I, need, to, I need to decompress and think about what I'm going to say. Yeah, here. so I think in honor of Star Wars Month and just to sort of give people some background of my standpoint on where I'm coming from in case they missed it in any past episodes, let me begin here. So as Dom had me bring up, I had told him that, you know, and it was pretty obvious too if you've listened to our show, I'd become very disenfranchised, to, to say the least, with Star Wars. I think that this this Skywalker saga is a very poor excuse for a saga at best. It, I mean, just go back and look at our review of the most recent Star Wars film with our friend Pat. Like, we ripped that film apart. I'm happy you still consider that a Star Wars movie. That's, like, not a Star Wars movie to me. That's just a movie. That's not even a movie. Listen, one, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. It's just... It's in the canon for what that's worth at this point. They really took the canon that I thought was so brilliant, so beautiful, so so filled with lore and, and richness and, and detail, and they just completely just gutted it and just poured it all over the 40-plus years that Lucas and, and the creative team of the past had put their heart and soul into. So I was a little hesitant, and this is why I bring this up, Dom. I was a little hesitant going into watching Star Wars The Clone Wars. I mean, I remember I had watched a few episodes back in the day, and it was cool. It was something to put on, though. It never really sucked me in, and I think that's that's twofold. My appreciation for animation has grown since I started film school in 2016. Also... I just, you know, Star Wars were movies to me that were these, these epic, like, two-hour films with these plot twists and these never-before-seen visuals and sounds and just these groundbreaking films. And so I was like, how can you cram the perfection that I had known from those first movies into a 24-minute episode? I didn't think it was possible. But I just, as everything Star Wars was dying, Dom time and time and time and time again was saying, Chris, listen... I get it, okay? We're all feeling that way. You're not the only one who loves Star Wars. That That's apparent. I mean, not, I'm, everyone has a Star Wars shirt. I mean, I'm wearing one right now, you know? But he's like, you gotta give this little show called The Clone Wars a chance. And I was like, fuck it. Like, what do I have to lose? At the very least, it's just 20-minute episodes. It, it's not gonna take too much time away. So I gave it a shot. And... Boy, oh boy, did it restore my faith in Star Wars. I'm talking, I'm playing the video games again. I'm reading the comics again. I'm, I'm actually just picked up this Obi-Wan book that's really highly rated. I forget who the author, author is, but I have it in my closet. It's been sitting there collecting dust because I got it when The Force Awakens came out. It was a very like popular you know, extended universe text that I just never read because I was like, oh, that movie doesn't make me want to read this book I just bought that I was hyped to buy because I was hyped for the film because that's how bad it was. It crushed it. But now I'm, it's back in full swing. And, and that's because of a little show called Star Wars The Clone Wars. So, Dom, I hope that was a good enough token for you to take over because I just needed them to know that based off everything I'm going to say. This is why I'm going to be as passionate. Spoiler alert. I'm going to be as passionate as I'm going to be in this episode. It helped. It definitely helped. But, oh, God, I just, I, I kept, I was mentally prepping myself. I'm like, I know this is why nobody likes TV show finales. They are always awful. Because if there's, if they suck, they suck. And they make you feel like you wasted your time devoting years of your life to the show. And if they're great, they usually go out on a really heart-throbbing and emotional mm -hmm. note that makes you cry and sad and want the show to come back. For Community, it was a little bit of a both. Because you kind of got both of those finales. You got the heartthrob sad finale at the end of season three. 
for at least for people who would know that the next who got into the game late and knew that the next three seasons would suck. And then you had the actual series finale, which kind of doubled as both in that it was an emotional, heartbreaking finale while also being a closeted reminder of how far Community had fallen. But with this finale, I just want to talk about like just first with the episode, the structure of the episode itself. And how we can't really talk about this one individual episode without talking about the three episodes that preceded it. So, to kind of give a little bit of a summary, I talked at nauseum in our Clone Wars premiere episode about Dave Filoni's original vision for this finale. And he was very, very vague about it and didn't give away any details. But all that he said, this was the constant thing that came up in interviews when he was doing press for Rebels and Mandalorian and every other thing that he was involved in over the years since he made his name with Clone Wars is that he said that the finale that I had originally envisioned that I was unable to do in this series original run on Cartoon Network was I was going to tie it in with Revenge of the Sith. And all those years when I heard that, I always wondered how he was going to do it. And I mean, this kind of goes back to the, the minute that you see the opening of that ninth episode with the old school Lucasfilm font. I'm not even talking like 20th Century Fox or the special editions that we grew up with. I'm talking the old school Lucasfilm font on the original theatrical cuts of the original trilogy and then the original John Williams score plays, which to this has had not been on a single previous episode of Clone Wars, and I knew we were in for something special. And before I even watched a single minute of what we were going to say, I was called it right now, Chris. I, I You know what I said. I'm going to have you say. What did I say about this finale, specifically? Word for word, go. Word for word is, is always going to be a little tough for me, but it was to the... I know. That's it why was, I did it. It was to the tune. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's fun for you, <laughs> and I guess for our listeners, it is exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll exactly. be a part. I'll, I'll be a joke for the listeners' expense. Uh, you said something along the lines of that it was going to be dynamite. It was going to be amazing. The greatest Star Wars finale. That's along the lines of what I said, but that's not exactly what I said. I said this is going to be the greatest animated series finale we have gotten since Avatar The Last Airbender, which to me is still the absolute pinnacle of what American animation can achieve. Uh, that's why I and forgot it. And I also said that... Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Smart Alec. But I also said that this was going to be the finale that we should have gotten with Rise of Skywalker. And so far, after watching this past episode, not only do I feel that I was right and validated, but to me, I'm like, wow. You don't even need to watch the sequel trilogy anymore. You can watch from Phantom Menace to Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens if you want, because I still think Force Awakens is a good movie, and everything else in between factors in, and it works, and it just helps make, not only does it kind of make the prequels better by default, which is something the original run of the Clone Wars had already accomplished, but it also just kind of makes the story of Star Wars even more fleshed out and awesome, because again, these animated shows have done what the new sequel trilogy and what I think was a big missed opportunity over the years with how the movies always seem to ignore the expanded canon and universe. But these shows did that. These shows filled in the gaps in a way that continued to help expand this universe, make it bigger than the Skywalker saga, while also keeping things tied together. It, to me, did what made Game of Thrones so good, which to me, if we're talking the original run of Game of Thrones, the first four seasons of Game of Thrones before they deviated from the books and everything went to shit, the thing that made those first four seasons impeccable is how when something major happened, I'm talking a death, a shift in power, a major plot point change, whatever, you saw how it affected everyone. Everyone, 
and everything. Ned Stark's death is one of the most impactful events on TV, not because it's a shock value moment, but because it had ripples that affected each and every single character in the setting and the show up to that point. And that, to me, is exactly what not only this show, but almost every kind of piece of other kind of filler that wasn't in the movies for Star Wars has done. And it was all solidified within these last four episodes. Yeah, um, I couldn't agree more with that. One thing I think is th- th- this show does that in half, no, a fraction of the time that they get to the Ned Stark death in Game of Thrones. Like it, yeah. This show yep. ties in three films that arguably have their issues. I love those films. I, I can see past the faults of those films, but it kind of makes you hate Hayden Christensen a lot less. It kind of makes you forgive... <laughs> Not Christensen. I still don't blame Christensen. I still blame Lucas for that, but yeah, I see where you're It kind of makes from. you just forgive a lot of that and, and see it as... Oh, okay. So this is what this is what happens when you know George doesn't have like a little extra hand to help him because he is brilliant, but he needs a little yeah. he needs a felony yeah. in there, you know, and and so yeah. so Dom, I mean, how do you want to take this? Because I think there are oh, the first I mean, eight episodes, which are rightfully great and amazing, but that is also we, traditional yeah, Clone but- Wars that's not what we're talking about here like those are traditional clone wars if you watch the show up to this point you kind of know what you're gonna get we kind of oozed a lot about the bad batch and how cool they were in our premiere episode so let's leave those episodes to the side i want to start by just diving in i want to break down exactly why these last four episodes were so special and impactful and why they kind of tie everything together and kind of in order to back up our point so if we've established our thesis of our <laughs> podcast have, and yeah. now this is the body paragraph yeah that's right i'm bringing it back to high Hell school yeah. english get used to it you're here to learn but uh, yeah, so it starts off, obviously, now remind me again, you have not caught up through the entirety of the run of the series, uh, right? I'm about halfway through season two, so... Okay, yeah, so you're you're not even close to the plot points that are going to affect what yeah. I'm about to say. So, yeah, so it picks up episode nine, it's some giant battle. Oh, I'm just camera features, man, you do your thing. We got a, we got oh, a switcher oh, going, dude, okay. you know? <laughs> All right, okay. I didn't realize Dude, that. It, I'm like, oh, it sounds like new. you were going to say something this like this really important, this so I figured, hey, you know, he gets a full screen. No, 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 no. come on. No, get back on the screen. Get back All on the right. screen. Come on. This is this is both of us. <laughs> this is not how we do this yet. Come on, get back on the screen. I, I talk, you react, you talk, I react. This is how that works. So, yeah, so we pick up. Ahsoka Tano has been recruited by Bo-Katan in order to help appeal to the Jedi, Obi-Wan and Anakin, in order to attempt to oust Darth Maul, who has come back into the fray after disappearing at the end of Season 5. This is where, again, the, the, this subject matter is a little bit tricky because, again, this is dealing with things that you have not seen. But without spoiling anything, the whole thing is that at the end of Season 5, dealt with two major events that would affect and impact two of our major Clone Wars characters, that being Darth Maul and Ahsoka Tano. Because at the end of Season 5, Darth Maul is... Captured by Darth Sidious and imprisoned, and Ahsoka Tano is framed for a bombing against the Jedi Order, is cleared successfully of all charges, but walks away from the Jedi Order. So, Hmm. as a result, this kind of sets those characters on their own trajectories again. You read the Darth Maul Son of Dathomir arc, so you're at least the very least familiar with what happens after Maul is captured by Sidious, you know, the whole thing with the Mandalorians and everything that happens there. She she got framed for it, but did she actually do it and just get away with it? Okay, no, that's what I figured, and that she would make not. sense. But that, okay. In no way gotcha. was she familiar, no. And it was, again, I don't want to actually spoil it, because to me, it's arguably one of the most compelling arcs on the original run of the Clone Wars. And the okay. fact that, again, if they had just left it off there, it, that would have been a compelling enough finale just for the original Cartoon right. Network run. Right. But so, we get into it. Ahsoka Tano is recruited by Bo-Katan 
who is the sister of Duchess Satine, who, again, that also alludes to Season 5 of Clone Wars. Again, we're not here to reminisce about the past. The point being is that they want help because Darth Maul has... Uh, installed a puppet ruler on Mandalore, and Bo-Katan wants, to, and now that Death Watch has been completely dissolved, wants the Jedi's help in order to get involved in Mandalore, and so that they can take back their planet. The problem, it's two twofold problem. One, if the Jedi were to launch a full invasion of Mandalore, and the Republic were to launch a full invasion of Mandalore, that would break ancient, ancient treaties that go all the way back to the time of, like, the ancient Jedi-Sith war with the Mandalorians, because the whole thing is that the Mandalorians, back when they were, like, this proud race before they basically became, like, low-down bounty hunters, like we saw in the Mandalorian, basically, they literally sided with the Sith because they thought of the Jedi as Imperialists. So this would break contracts to go back that far. The other problem, of course, and again, how just the opening sequence of that episode does so well with tie, with already accomplishing Filoni's dream of what he wanted to do with the finale, which is where the opening shot is you see all the Jedi going off to their individual places, which we as hardcore Star Wars fans know, oh shit, they're going off to die. You see Ayla Secura's going happening. off to Felicia. Plo Koon's going <laughs> off to Kano Namoria. Kiati Money's going off to Mikito. And you're like... Oh, Kiati Money didn't guys. even have a you're chance like, yeah. to react, bro. He got no, done the dirtiest. No, they, I mean... But actually, he kind of Secura kind of did, actually. Yeah. Semantics. Semantics. Yeah. No, I, I'd say Ayla Secura was the one who like, yeah, didn't yeah, have a chance yeah, to react. Yeah, yeah. Mundi at least true, had a chance true, to defend true. himself. But again, we're not here to talk about <laughs> Sorry, that. Sorry, I get so, carried away. There's that. Because, of course, I know. Because, of course, the moment that before Anakin and Obi-Wan have a chance to make their decision as to whether they're going to help Ahsoka and Bo or not, of course, they get the call. Oh, no. General Grievous has launched his attack on Coruscant. We got to go. And, of course, me, the diehard Star Wars fan, is like, ugh. Oh my god. It's I, I almost wanted to be like, okay, like you're I hate you, Filoni, so much. He broke like, our heart twice. Why are you doing this? Why are he you doing this? He broke our hearts me? again. Why are you doing but it's but it's so good. Because for problem. me, it's so you know, good. regardless of, of how people feel about the prequels, I really like those films. I recognize the issues, however, and I forgive them because one of the moments that really worked was the Order sixty six sequence. It's still yes. Got that me. to me is forget just like the, all the problems with the prequel. Just from a filmmaking standpoint, that is one of to me the best story elements I've ever seen in a they movie. They talked, Luke. Anything, I am your father. That I mean, that sequence is so good. That sequence is so good that literally even the Clone Wars at certain points admits just how good that like story idea and plan was and how it was executed. Yeah, and so, so the reason I bring that up again, is because. He puts us through that rush of emotions again. Again, dude. Yes. Again. And it hurts and even again, more this time. And again. And again. And it keeps going. <laughs> because throughout these next three episodes, you constantly see these flashbacks to bits and pieces of Revenge of the Sith. And every time, you just get more and more soul-crushing. I'm like, see, this is what I was talking about with the original season. So the original run of The Clone Wars actually made me care about the characters that I could have cared less while watching the actual prequels. And this was kind of like that extra, like, pouring lemon lemon juice and salt in the wound of like, oh, yeah, remember all these guys that you didn't care about before? But now all of a sudden you do care about? They go die. Yeah. And well, they're brought so to life the in such a beautiful way in the Clone Wars series. You get to spend yeah. these little one-off episodes with each and every single one of them, and just oh, I know who that is now. That's Kid Fisto. He has a heart. Yeah. He is. He has a personality. Yeah. I like his personality. Yeah. You know. Like, oh my God, Kid Fisto. That's a person. Luminara exactly. Undoing. That's a person. Shock T. Maybe not, but you still get more screen <laughs> yeah, time than, yeah. than how she got yeah. done. It's not perfect. Said, but. Yeah. You see what I mean? But yeah, so the rest of episode nine is pretty much, again, one of the, just from an action standpoint, like, it never ceases to amaze me, the action sequences that they pull off in these animated Star Wars shows, because the action sequence during the actual invasion of Mandalore is 
incredible. And if I could just gush about a little bit, two more emotional moments to me that really, really were awesome is just speaking to me as a, as a longtime Clone Wars sure. watcher is when right before they diverge and Ahsoka takes off to Mandalore and Anakin and Obi-Wan go to get jumpstart revenge of the Sith. Um, so Ahsoka and Anakin have this little reunification moment with the 501st and Ahsoka sees Rex again for the first time in years and all the clones are lined up ready to pay respect to her. They've all got their helmets painted. They're all ready to salute her. Ahsoka's got that moment where she's like, direct, she's like, you don't have to call me commander anymore. I'm not a Jedi. And, she, and Rex is like, of course, commander. Because it's like, I just love how they've established that sense of respect and like just that sense of bond between animated characters like i talk i've talked in nauseam over the years about how animated storytelling has evolved so much to the point where it can accomplish so, it can accomplish such complex emotions and great storytelling on a level that some live action films can't even do and this was one of those moments to me and of course when anakin gives her the lightsabers which are her old two lightsabers but obviously with new kyber crystals in it and all the while all the while, and again, this is how brilliant this is, all the while you don't even realize that this is just being a primed up for the inevitable betrayal that is coming down the road. So, you have the divergence, Ahsoka, uh, what's it called, Rex is assigned to go with Ahsoka to Mandalore, how convenient considering the fact that he has never once seen or mentioned in the actual live action movies. <laughs> they go to Mandalore, they have this awesome battle sequence like that's the one thing i, I have yeah. to give the clone wars credit for again is with these action sequences and how they execute them it is so well done that opening sequence when they landed on mandalore that whole fight sequence was amazing they meet up with darth maul and this leads us into episode 10 which is kind of where everything is revealed but from the opposite end and episode 10 obviously again is more so just a continuation of episode 9 again more so interspersing little pieces but episode 10 also has those great moments where poking back to Revenge of the Sith, where once they land on Mandalore, uh, Ahsoka has that, um, what's it called, hologram con blah, conversation with Obi-Wan, where he reveals, obviously, everything that Anakin did on Grievous' ship, killing Dooku and everything, and now how he's been assigned to go to Utapar to track Grievous, and that um, Anakin has been assigned to watch the Chancellor because they don't trust him, and obviously they mentioned Sidious because Maul's already been, like, so, again, I've been talking a lot, like, just how they structure these references, Chris, your mind has got to be exploding every single time they drop a reference to Revenge of the Sith. Like, I'm nerding out really hard right here. Like, I'm assuming you're just waiting to get your fill. Yeah, in. no, I mean, I like where you're going with it. And so one of my favorite things that they did this season was, and, you know, tell me if you picked up on this. I'm sure you did. But so, for example, that scene where Ahsoka is called a civilian by Mace Windu, that's actually directly after the Jedi Council sends Anakin to go and sit at the opera or, or wherever it was that he's sitting next to uh, the uh, Palpatine in the films. And so she's that, she's literally that close. Like, like, can you see that? Like that close to yeah. being able to speak yeah. to him, but it's just too late. And, and so, and, and I love how they, they write around that scene. And so what they do is, and I don't even know if it's, because I wonder if George George Lucas is attached to this and he did write it with Filoni. And so I wonder if George is like, dude, we got to like make we got to make people appreciate those movies. But they write around that scene. They give it a, a, a pre and an end the ending part where Yoda stays on the call a little longer and speaks to, you know, his he calls her pad one out of respect, first of all, which was just I love that moment. If there's one thing we know about Yoda is that he is respectful to the end. He tries to see the good in everyone. And that scene was just 
the, him just saying Padawan was just so brilliant to the character. Like that, that's the thing that Clone Wars gets right is they're true to the characters. But back to my original point, she had a second chance there to tell Yoda what Maul had told her that, you know, Palpatine was grooming Skywalker to be his apprentice, but she doesn't do it. And so like, it just adds, I'm curious to go back and rewatch Revenge of the Sith because I know the events that happen in the Clone Wars are going to go off and it's going to make it even more crazier than, like we said, Order 66 yeah. already was. But just their way to do something that I would deem risky, and this is really why I bring it up, I think it's risky to to write around a scene that is set in stone from a film. You know, you're, you're really playing with some big stakes there in an animated show to take a scene with, you know, Samuel J- Samuel Jackson and, you know, Ewan McGregor and, and all this amazing talent. Because if there's one thing the prequels got right, I think it was the casting, in my opinion. And so to write around that and use that to further propel this into the climax, into the finale, is so, for lack of a better word, yeah. ballsy to me. And the fact that yeah. they stick the well, landing is just so impressive. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Well, I'll do... I know exactly what you're trying to say. And I'll actually do you one better, which is where... So that scene that you're actually talking about, the scene from episode... The, the penultimate episode. 11 or, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, episode 11, right before Order 66 goes down. So I'll actually do one better. That actually wasn't where... Um, that wasn't where... May set, where Anakin met up with Palpatine at the opera and he told him the story of Darth Plagueis the Y. That was right after Obi-Wan kills Grievous on Utapar... And that's when Mace tells Anakin to go inform the Chancellor of Grievous's defeat, which is when Palpatine reveals himself as Darth Sidious to Anakin. Oh, okay, so okay. you want to talk Got about you, you want to talk about like nick time. Like So it's even crazy. Right? Like Ahsoka was literally not even three feet from Anakin right before he is told the final thing that he needs to know before he completes his dark journey. And Again, so, but fast forwarding back to episode 10 and why that's impactful is begin once the war officially completes itself and Ahsoka confronts Maul and Maul kind of reveals his plan, for lack of a better word. Because that's the other thing, too, that I don't think the, this show gets enough credit for is even though they bring back Darth Maul and they make him probably, they try to make him probably one of the most sympathetic characters ever because, yeah, he has that moment where he's going after Obi-Wan and he's going crazy and he has the great arc on Mandalore, which to me is like one of the best villain arcs you'd ever get. But you almost kind of do feel bad for him because, again, at the end of the day, he was still a pawn, nothing but a pawn, the same way Dooku was, Insidious's quest to recruit Anakin. And when he served his purpose, he was cast out. He clung on to life because he's a survivor, first and foremost. And again, it just it factors into what Filoni, it did what makes Filoni stuff so good, which is that he takes the outsiders, the stragglers, the guys who see all the big stuff from the sidelines, and he makes them front and center and fleshes them out so damn well. And it's one of the reasons why, to me, like the three characters that he devoted the majority of his career to in animation, that being Ahsoka, Rex, and Maul to me, are like now three of my favorite Star Wars characters ever. And this coming from the guy who made his mark in the Star Wars universe by being, oh, that cool red and black guy with the mm-hmm. horns and the double-bladed lightsaber. Right, who barely spoke. Like, that's all the people knew and him as. So, so, the, so you, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, you're well, no, painting my say. point as to why I said earlier in the podcast, like, it's almost as if this show makes me like Hayden Christensen and the Anakin Skywalker we got in the prequels better because those three characters... Better, better way less. better. I mean, he still was fine. I didn't hate him, but he wasn't my favorite out of the casting, like all-star cast, but like he was one of the yeah. weaker ones. That's that's neither here nor there. The reason I say that yeah. it makes me like him better is because it gives you more of an understanding of his frustration with the Jedi Council. 
and and you know in the in the movies they're they're tackling a lot so this show's able to sort of yeah. pinpoint with these four episode arcs which at first I wasn't a fan of cuz it's a little procedural and it's a little serialized and I don't like that as much but then when you get used to it and you realize okay but these mini arcs are really pushing the storyline far way farther than most you know shows of this nature do like you know law and order it's always the same shit start end start end and so i got okay with that and so the reason why is because having maul having ahsoka having rex right taking three characters one that was in the movies two that we hadn't seen on screen and just using them to a add more depth add more levels of emotion but they also kind of like make you understand anakin's frustrations because you know ahsoka getting framed with the bombing is a great example of the Jedi aren't, aren't always, you know, they're not always right. And, and you know, sometimes with Obi-Wan having that lover on Mandalore that we don't see in, in the prequels, but we get to know that he has feelings for, not a lover, because Obi-Wan's such a fucking Jedi that he never strays fully, but he, he slips for a minute. And so the reason I like these characters and the reason why I say they make Hayden Christensen stronger and Anakin Skywalker stronger is because they show what he, I think, was trying to say, but didn't quite accomplish in the prequels is that it's not all black and white and and the reason this happened to the jedi is because they were they're only able to see right or wrong they, they weren't able to to weigh the options like you need to be able to realize that like you're dealing with human emotions not everything is the force yes the force is powerful but you can't get sucked up in it and that's what i think those three characters do a great job of and that's why i say that they enhance the characters me, we met in the prequels to me to me, it solves two giant problems that I had. Well, actually, no, sorry, one giant problem. One is the fact of, again, which is where if looking at just from the movie standpoint and from a logistics standpoint, again, if you're just looking at from a logistics, like solid frame of mind, it's the idea of how did the Jedi in all of their power and knowledge of the Force and everything not detect that the leader of the Senate was the evil Sith Lord that they were trying to find the whole time? And this show basically answered that question, which is where, yeah, he was so enmeshed in the dark side that they couldn't sense him. And the fact that he literally engineered this conflict, but by the time he was well-known, because by that point, he was still just like an up-and-coming senator. Like, the Jedi didn't care, you know? Again, it was they were in their lofty ivory towers, and they could have given, right. and they had been in that state of power for so long that they didn't care because they didn't feel the need to. Except by the time the Sith did start to make their re-entrance into the Jedi's lives, starting with the Phantom Menace, it was already too little too late by that point. Because I think by the time that Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan fought Maul on Naboo, it had been like over like, well, again, you might have to correct me on this, you probably know the prequels better than me, but I think it had been like close to like 100, 200 years since like the last, Con major conflict with I, the Sith. I think it's you know? like Up until that three point, to, it had just been rumors. I believe it's like three to 400, but... To even yeah. further something, alliterate something that. Something ridiculous yeah, like but that. Yeah, something ridiculous. So, but that was why, like, that kind of complaint. Complacency. I, I never really, I'm Complacency like, I broke their it, time of peace. But, Right, exactly. But it never bothered me where it's like, okay, well, again, if you're think if you're that complacent, think about it. If you're in a job and you're in a super high up position and everything's running smoothly for so long, obviously, if something comes along that's going to start to undo that fabric, you're not going to know how to react well to it. That's exactly what happened. But it also, again, brings up, again, a point that a lot of people had a decent problem with because of how it was executed. But for me, it was one of the best elements of The Last Jedi, which is where Luke is literally sitting there saying, yeah, if the Jedi are so great then how come at the height of their power, they were taken down by Darth Sidious? And I'm like, you're speaking facts. You're speaking the facts that the fans have been saying for 30 years now. And and a main, and, that, and again, that's why I don't want to discount The Last Jedi entirely because The Last Jedi, for a 
big, taking it from that perspective, a big budget Star Wars movie, which we know and we have mocked relentlessly for playing it safe and not taking the risky advantages that we like from our stories like that. And that movie is, at the very least with that storyline, asking the questions that we as fans have been asking for years now. Granted, the rest of that movie, to me, can go away. But at the very least, that arc, to me, is, again, backed up by everything that we love so much about the Clone Wars. But if we're going back to Episode 10 for a second, and why that's so compelling about Maul, is Maul reveals his plan. And again, this is the thing that I always love, is that Maul is constantly trying to be Palpatine, but he is always, like, a few steps behind. Because as he reveals to Ahsoka, like, I engineered this whole plan so that I could foil Sidious's plan. Not as a way to save the galaxy or anything like that. Not a, not in the slightest. He, but only because he wants to become the next power and overthrow Sidious and take power for himself. Continue with the fact of like, yeah, we could dip into all these moral gray areas, but at the end of the day, I'm a Sith and this is what I'm going to do because this is what we do. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, and he's like, yeah, I, I wanted to do this just as an F you to Sidious for making my life miserable. And from that sense, I can't necessarily blame him, but it's the minute that he reveals, oh yeah, but it's the minute that he reveals everything that the Sith had machinized with the Clone Wars up to that point, which Ahsoka believed, given her expertise and knowledge from how she was framed and how the Jedi reacted to the bombing situation, she realized, yeah, maybe these guys shouldn't be the guys that win. And she starts to realize and start to ask the questions, who are the good guys here, yeah. you know? Again, an animated TV show dealing with stuff that the movies have always been terrified to ask. I hope that this like, serves as a nudge, a... A glass of water to the face, if you will, you know, uh, uh, maybe even just like a slap in the face if, if I think they need it. So I hope this I compare it more to I compare it more to pepper spray in the face because that definitely gets attention yeah. more than anything. I mean, any th of those that's things. that might I mean, you know, I hate to get aggressive and stuff, but that might be what they I mean, they need to look at this and they need to realize, like, we struck gold here and we need to we need to take this and propel this this type of writing you know we stop playing it so close to the belt don't give us another goddamn trilogy that is exactly like the first trilogy we had the 1970 to 80s films we don't need that nonsense anymore that's exactly what the skywalker saga was to me but but you guys know that so so where i'm going with this is you know they are setting up some interesting stuff and they're getting me excited for a show that I really, on record, haven't enjoyed that being The Mandalorian. And so, I gotta ask, Dom, because this this is... Yeah. Before I continue with my recap of this finale, because I'm having fun with this. I haven't done a recap well, we like know. this in a while. We know where it's going, and, and, and it's over, and we know where it goes, and yeah. we've seen that. But what I'm excited is for the development of, of Ahsoka on the big screen, because she is the most compelling original character to the Clone Wars series in the in these films. I think, personally, Obi-Wan is very well done in, these, in this series so far from what I've seen, especially in this final season, even though you don't get much of him, his appearances really matter. And for the most part, everyone... The writing and the script in this in this Clone Wars show, like it, it's very airtight. Everyone's appearance, everything everyone says, made the cut for a reason, and it works. But I thought Obi Wan specifically resonated with me as far as someone we know. But like Rex and Ahsoka, right? I am so excited because they're hinting at, they're rumoring that we're going to be getting in the Mandalorian at least Ahsoka, and so. That's huge because we saw all this Mandalore battle unfold and the history there and how Ahsoka was sort of like, well, the Mandalorians aren't the best people in history, right? They did once have an empire, but here's the thing. They're not 
pretending like they're perfect and they're gods. They are actually like, okay, we, we really messed up, but we need your help right now. But we're not saying we didn't mess up. So Ahsoka's kind of like, to me, she's the perfect Jedi, and I'm so excited to see her in The Mandalorian. So, like, we know how we felt about The Mandalorian. You liked it way more than me, but, like, what's your take on all this? Because they're setting up more, even though, and the reason why I'm saying this, this was clearly a wrapping up of a very special part of Star Wars. You know, Order 66 is one of the biggest Star Wars moments of all time, next to Luke, I Am Your Father, and a few other moments, right? But they're also, in, in such a magical way, they figured out how to get so many new beginnings out of this end, right? Like... And, and that's crazy yeah. to me, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like how what I was talking about before when I mentioned how this was going to tie into everything. So you were talking a lot about the Mandalorian, which, again, I did like a lot more than you. And the reason why, if I could just do a quick yeah. five second recap of that is because to me, I likened it to the first season of Clone Wars, which is where, yeah, the first season of Clone Wars wasn't the best. But knowing what was on. But especially now looking back and see what we got afterwards as a result of that first season, it's like, yeah. I can forgive it to say the least. Yes, I will say there were certain parts of The Mandalorian that were a little bit more unforgivable, but I credit that to it being live action as opposed to animated and it being eight episodes. So we kind of are expecting it to be a little bit more fast-paced than what it really was. But that's neither here nor mm -hmm. there because we don't know what we're going to get with the future seasons of The Mandalorian. But with all that being said, Again, like, it also factors into kind of what we see from her in Rebels. And now, that's both a show that you and I have not gotten to, but I've watched a couple clips from that. And the clips that I have seen, just the callbacks to Clone Wars alone in that show, are just heartbreaking. Is it also Filoni on and that also, show like, or no? Yes, okay. that, that's Filoni as well. Of course. And the other thing, too, is uh, in the wrapping up of that finale, where we get kind of tie-ups as to why where Ahsoka was you know, during the whole events of the original trilogy, because the whole thing about Rebels is Rebels only occurs in the last five years before um, Rogue One and the events that would lead into A New Hope. And Solo happens right before that, because I think because Lando makes an appearance within the first four episodes of Rebels, and I think by that point he's already lost the Falcon to hmm. Han. So in that case, chronologically-wise, it would be Solo, Rebels, then Rogue One. And the whole thing is that the Ghost, which is the main ship in Rebels, fought in both the Battle of Scarif in... Rogue One, that was like a whole big thing when Rogue One came out, because when Rogue One came out, Rebels was just finishing its second season, and and it just started its third, and the whole thing was when all those ships come out of hyperspace above Scarif, everyone's like, look, it's the ghost, it's the ghost, and also, the ghost also took part in the battle of Endor in Return of the Jedi, and also, and I know I pointed this out to you, Rex fought in Endor, like that, 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 that still of like all those rebel soldiers waiting when Han runs around the corner and you see that one old man with the gray beard, like that was officially confirmed as being Rex. So we know where so that cool. all goes. So that whole, that whole wrap up and everything there, that's all taken care of. So like, again, like, again, what I want to give credit to this finale for is the fact of, so if we can fast forward again, like people have seen the finale, they know what's going to happen. Maul reveals that he had his plan to lure Anakin and Obi-Wan so we could kill Anakin and foil Sidious' plan. That doesn't work. Maul gets captured. Episode 11 starts. It's right before Order 66 happens. They're boarding the ship. Ahsoka has the force sense of the whole confrontation, which that time they didn't even need to do re-recordings for the new voice actors. They just pulled that the audio right from Revenge of the Sith, did a little sound editing, and boom. Like, it accomplished everything that that moment needed to. And then Order 66 happens. And again, the great throwback to the beginning of Season 6 with the inhibitor chips and everything and how Ahsoka's able to save Rex, how she utilizes Maul. Again, it all ties up brilliantly, but we all knew about that. And that episode, as great as it was, still played out pretty much exactly how I expected. So the thing with this last episode, if we can finally bring it back, 43 minutes into this recording, and now we're actually talking about the finale, is what I wanted getting out of this is I'm like, okay, how are they going to wrap up the last three characters 
who, for the most part, we didn't know how they were going to get wrapped up, that being Ahsoka, Rex, and Maul, so that they can all get set up to where they will eventually come back in Rebels, and how their fates will eventually get tied up through that, through the rest of that existing canon. And to me, at least, I got that. And I can understand how a few people, and again, this is only the first day that this episode has dropped. And so I feel like it should be a testament already to how spoiled we are as people, the fact that we can make this commentary <laughs> not even bar not even 24 yeah, hours after the right. episode is dropped about our thoughts and feelings on it and whether it's going to stand the test of time or not. But yeah, the, the, the whole thing is that I can understand because I was actually having a conversation with another friend of mine about this earlier today. I can understand how people might have a problem with the fact of, okay, this wasn't like a grand scale finale. Because if you think about it, just for this episode alone, it really is very small scale. I think there's only like two locations in this entire episode. It's just following Ahsoka and Rex and those three little astromech droids as they're trying to escape from the ship. And like with a few cut twos to Maul as Maul continues to just operate as an agent of chaos. And, yeah, and can I just... again? It's a very, it's probably one of the most small scale finales I've ever seen, but it completely works for me for everything that it's. Let me take something out of that, right? Those three little droids. Never have I gotten so attached to throwaway characters in my life. That's just the magic of this show. And and another thing you said, like Rex, right? He's the old man with the gray beard on Endor. This show mm -hmm. takes everything that. 12-year-old me, who was in love with Star Wars, was like, well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? Like, we get that. That's what I have been saying lately. I've been using the sandbox analogy, if you've listened to a few of our episodes. We have this amazing sandbox to play in, but all the major motion pictures of Star Wars keep playing it safe. But not this. Not this. We get to see how the clones, yes, they were, you know, bred to be soldiers. They were, they were manufactured, but they were manufactured with a heart. They were manufactured with a brain, with a pulse. The droids, obviously, they didn't have that. And so it's so amazing to see that, you know, some of their chips malfunctioned. Some of them got freed by Jedi, like Rex. You know, we know Rex isn't the only one, but he's the most important one. He's the one that we got to know. And so, like, the humanity and the way that they bring that out in every character, even Maul, even even Anakin, right? That Like, that last scene you had told me. That was so emotional to you, you almost teared up. And you know what? I'm right there with you. Yeah. Because even though we've seen Anakin has fallen, he still leaves the shrine to Ahsoka B. He doesn't go crazy and slash it and destroy it. And he just, he walks away and he lets it be. And to me, you didn't get much from that scene from him. But I think the fact that you didn't get much shows that like, there's still somewhere in him that he feels for his old Padawan. And we're talking about this deep of a spiritual level of a connection for an animated show and it's because like it just it works at such a high level that it's not a shame that it's animation because it's beautifully done it's it's incredible yeah. like the action is so gripping but god damn it man like this is the star wars we need from top tier actors being cast in future star wars like because yeah, yeah. like this, this is show don't tell at its finest this finale because yeah. you're right it wasn't the most exciting thing it it was great though well not exciting just it, not the most expensive, right 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 and i, I, I agree say. with that there was obviously a lot of great moments it was more of a wrap-up the penultimate episode was your bang your flash pretty much this whole arc really was so we needed one of the more chill episodes one of the more dialogue heavy episodes but like never a dull moment it, that's where i'm going with this it's almost hard to talk about it because it's just like yeah i watched it hours ago but it's still just like Wow. Like, I am in love with Star Wars about it all again. Day. Could you believe it, Dom? 
It's 2020. Can you believe I mean, it? I now I can because I always had this to fall back on, even when I kind of started to figure out like for me again like call, call me crazy call me insane but the minute that like i found out that they were making solo a movie again my thoughts of that movie i think have radically changed since the first time i saw it. but ever since i found out that they were making solo movie i'm like yeah i don't know if the movies are gonna hold are, are gonna be able to deliver on what everyone's hoping they yeah will. well that movie we'll find out in a few nights how we feel about that one again yeah. but you know yeah i mean I could go on and on and on for hours, but the one thing I think I got out of this is, as corny as it is, it's hope for the future. I really hope Filoni gets, you know, attached to a major motion picture. I hope he's a part of the new series. And, I, you know, I like this crew, this creative team. They know what they're doing, man. They, they really, they really do. Yeah, they do. really do. They really and, freaking do. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to point out the irony of that statement is, is is that this finale, which arguably might be one of the most depressing finales ever, forget again talking about an animated kids TV show, and this is one of the most depressing series finales ever put to screen, and you're saying how this gives you hope for the future. I just wanted to point out the irony of that statement. I right see there. it. I I know what you mean, but like, it's just like I I should be able to go to a Star Wars comic for more amazing escapism in the realm of in in the form of Star Wars. I should be able to do that for Star Wars for more escapism in the shape of a video game. I shouldn't have to go to it for my only form of amazing Star Wars, which is what it was for years until this little show called The Clone Wars came along. So I really hope someone's taking notes. If yeah. that could be my one ledger yeah, line, my seriously. one point that I'm trying to make in this episode is I hope someone's taking notes because... Well, the only thing I'm going to leave you with is I'm going to leave you with this is the fact that Colin Trevorrow, when he was writing his script for episode nine before he got fired after he made the mistake of making Book of Henry, is that and the, the whole thing with that story of the, some of the behind the scenes details is that he was going to have an arc that tied into the Clone Wars. He was going to have the character. First off, we were going to uh, actually see Coruscant, me. which we still Aftermath, have not yeah. seen since. So, yeah, we were going to see Coruscant and kind of how the New Order had been established and ruling from there. We were actually going to get an explanation as to, like, how we basically got the Second Empire after the original Empire. We were going to get explanations to all that. Not only that, but Palpatine didn't appear in the movie, only as a hologram. Like, it was Kylo Ren following a holocron message left behind by Palpatine. Not only that, but there was going to be an arc that tied into the Mortis storyline, which you have no. not gotten to yet, but you will understand when you get to that in <clears throat> Season 3. And Bob Iger... Big Bob himself stepped in and told him to step away from some of the more hokier elements because he figured that regular people wouldn't be able to get invested in it. And that would take away from what they loved about Star Wars. And that just made me like, I'm like, okay, I'm trying to keep my Disney bashing down to a minimum. But Jesus Christ, The dude, fact like, that you just told me that makes me hate Disney I'm all speaking, over again. I'm, sp <laughs> I'm speaking about this as a fan, not a business. I understand it from a business sense, but I'm also of the opinion where it's like, Jesus, wow. Well, like well, The minute that that happened, I'm like, wow, we were never going to get anything. And I think this was even before The Last Jedi was released in theaters. I'm like, wow, so we were never going to get anything cool with this new trilogy. Awesome. So with all that being said, Chris, if I just wanted to talk Please. about one more thing. Again, you mentioned the Darth Vader moment. And I just wanted to talk about that briefly because, again, we're, we're running short on time here a little bit. But the moment where, again, the first time where we see Vader on screen in that closing shot, 
And I don't know how many years afterwards it's been, but it's been obviously a decent amount of years. I thought that they were going to do a reference to Force Awakens because they never mentioned that planet that they crash landed on with the cruiser. And so I thought that was going to be like, I'm like, oh, wait, is that Jakku? Like, are, are they doing that? Okay, I thought it was, I was a little bit confused and I was really weird out. I'm like, okay, is that what they're going to do here? But no, it's they do that. The, there's the, no speaking in those last couple of minutes just to Soka looking at the shrine of all those fallen soldiers because again, and again, this is part of the brilliance of why this show is so good is that even though these clones literally just betrayed her like a few hours earlier and were ready to kill her she understood that it was not their fault and that they were being manipulated again it, it taps into the things that the prequels were so heavily lacking which is the humanity exactly. of it all and yeah and, and then when vader leans down literally no joke for as hollow and emotionally manipulative as that ending of Rise of Skywalker was when Rey visits the Skywalker compound and buries the Skywalker lightsaber. And then you have that dumb moment with that woman. And it's just like, I'm Rey Skywalker. This, to me, was that moment where Vader walks out. And I'm pretty sure they were using the Rebel-style animation. I couldn't tell. I have to go back and rewatch that scene. But I'm pretty sure that was Rebel-style animation. Because when you start watching Rebels, you'll notice there's a significant difference. It was the, the Ahsoka Rebel-style animation. Rebels. It was. I but noticed I'm pretty that. sure it was the Rebel-style yep. animation. But when Vader walks up and he sees the helmet and he picks up Ahsoka's lightsaber, which he leaves there. And then he looks up, and there's that bird flying around. That itself is a reference to something that happens with Ahsoka when she confronts Vader again in Clone Wars. So I, this moment might have happened after their confrontation in... Sorry, not in Clone Wars, in Rebels. This will, uh, That lead me to believe that that final scene happened after their confrontation in Rebels. Which puts oh. that years later. And I was just like... What? God damn it, this is perfect. This is perfect. And then, like, the close-up on the clone helmet signifying the end of that era of Star Wars, I was like... You're killing I me. I can't do this. You're this killing is, me. Yeah, this is this is unbelievable. This is so good. So, this has been nerding out with Dom and Chris. Oh I understand my. that we probably didn't get as analytical God. as we should have been, no. but I don't care. This was How great. can you? You can't critique something that's... You can't say anything negative no, about something that's perfect. When it's, because, like you said, it, yeah, it really three is. films... This was, a Three films didn't finale. give me as much depth, as much emotion, emotional attachment, as much humanity as we've both been saying throughout this pod that four 24-minute episodes gave me. And like I said, yeah. I had no, nothing against the casting of the prequels. They all still did great in their roles for the most part. But still, this just nailed it. I really hope yeah. Filoni can just keep doing right by the Star Wars brand. And 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 like yeah. I said, yeah. when we hit this Clone Wars episode... You know, uh, the first one a few weeks back, the the episode one of this seventh season. Before this nightmare yeah, of quarantine yeah, began. True. I mean, great Star Wars is still happening. It's just on the small screen. And, and let's yep. hope that we all can it be is. loud enough to get it back to the big screen, you know? Seriously. And also, I don't know, did you see the news about Taika being announced to direct the next Star Wars movie? Whatever I like it's that. Gonna be? I didn't see that. That gives me hope. Yeah. That gives me hope. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, because you, you and I both talked about we loved the last two episodes of The Mandalorian. For as much as you were starting to get annoyed by some okay, of those well, filler episodes, I was even starting to admit I was getting annoyed by those filler episodes. Those last two episodes, specifically that finale, which Taika to me did an awesome job directing, because he basically just made himself the hero of the whole show. Uh, well, that yeah, finale is like top five Star Wars in my opinion. It's just there's a lot of fat on The Mandalorian, whereas if you look at Clone Wars, yeah. Even though, even though the Bad Batch arc, lean. even though the Ahsoka arc, yeah, those were both needed to get you in the mood, to get the, the context and the tone. They weren't like the most it's amazing parts of it, but there was episodes. no fat there that needed to be trimmed. It still all mattered. It still all contributed to why I feel this way about the finale. 
So with that exactly. being said, do you want to jump into the conclusions here? Give our little final statements? Or? Yeah, I'll, I'll do my conclusion real quick because we're already running over time. But yeah, this was without a doubt. Again, I there's so few times again, I, I hate I, I, I hate to quote. Uh, Ian Malcolm for Jurassic Park, but there are a lot of times where I'm like, I hate being right because so many of the times I'm right about it, something negative that happens with the movie, and I hate it because I'm like, no, I don't want to constantly be proven wrong. I don't want to be constantly proven that Hollywood is out of ideas and is just going back to the same shticks and tropes to rely on over and over again for their movies. I want to be proven wrong, and most of the time I'm not. But this is the, I think, Chris, this is the first time in history in my personal history, where I was completely right about something, and I could not have been happier. This was everything that I wanted from the Clone Wars series finale. This was the perfect wrap-up for that journey that I started when I was 12 years old, watching the show with my brothers, and it was every bit as gut-wrenching, as emotionally fulfilling, and as just yet another example of the fact of when it comes to Filoni and Star Wars, like, you know you're getting gold when you get it, and... Yeah, I just, if anything, it makes me even more excited to finally watch Rebels, because like, I, I kept meaning to start Rebels, but I never got a chance to, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to hold off until I finish Clone Wars, and I finished Clone Wars the first time, and I wasn't quite ready for it, and then I found out that the new season was coming out, and I'm like, crap, now I got to wait like another year until this thing comes out to start Rebels, but man, I am glad that I waited, because this was, this, this was a perfect finale, this is, you know what, screw it, this is a five-star episode for me, yeah, I said it, this is a five-star episode, I loved it. This finale, this four-part finale, so much. I stand by it. Greatest animated finale since. Is it a five-star season? No, not a five-star season. Five-star finale. I would say the season overall is closer to a four and a half, but a five-star finale. Okay, no, I hear you on that. So yeah, you know, I'm not going to say much here that I haven't already said, but I think I need to re-say it just so you guys really know the scope of how I feel about this thing. And that's like we said, this character these these characters felt more alive than all the performances we saw in the prequels and and I've said it ad nauseum on this episode, those were not bad performances. The one thing that the Clone Wars did the most for me was really show you that the clones were not just, you know, set pieces, that they were they were people with hearts and pulses and and brains and minds and feelings, you know, and it just was so beautiful to watch sort of the development. Uh, I think the Bad Batch little sequence was that just painted that picture even more, you know, like so not 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 all clones are created equally, you know, and, and, and even though they're like, quote unquote, the Bad Batch, right? Like they have their, you know, things that make them not as good as other clones. They're still they, they still are respected by their fellow clone brothers because they're all in this together, right? That showed like the brotherhood and, and with Ahsoka sort of falling out in that second little arc right there that we had, the, the midpoint of the season and sort of seeing her reaction to what had happened to her and how it's still with her and everything she does and every decision she makes, but she doesn't let her bad past taint her goodness. It's just... How were they able to pull on all of my heartstrings so much, dude? And we already spoke about the finale four episodes ad nauseum. It's just perfect, guys. I mean, it's it's a five-star season finale in a five-star season. And it might even be a five-star show as I'm halfway through season two and see no wrong with this property. The only thing that scares me about this property is the fact that it's owned by Disney. And I'm just glad they didn't fuck it up, but... I think it's because they they it's because they made this before they yeah got bought and out I by think Disney, they have a real so. chance to fuck up the Mandalorian but that's why I'm begging you guys to see what you have here and how it's making people feel and react I'm begging you yeah yeah 
so i'm scared tom uh, i'm scared oh man yeah uh, you haven't even gotten to the stuff that like you're only through season two yeah season two like you haven't got like seasons three through five like you're not going to be able to breathe with how intense that that shit gets it's nuts but uh, do it. so we're wrapping this up, this up? By doing my thing? All right, screw it. So, guys, we're the Talking TV Podcast. I'm Dom. That's Chris. We have a podcast. It's called Talking TV. I know I said it. I don't care, but I'm going to keep repeating it because repetition installs it in your brain. Talking TV. There, I did it again. We have a podcast where we are both on Anchor, which is a free distribution service that goes out to Count It Down with me, Chris. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, Google Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, not SoundCloud. And we're also on YouTube, as you can see. Now that you're getting us in this glorious video <laughs> format, you can listen to both. I would prefer if you listen too. to both, but if you just if you do just want to listen to one, if you go to YouTube, make sure you click the like and the subscribe button and leave a comment because we actually like responding to comments and we would like more actual feedback from you guys. We've been getting a lot of that on Instagram. We'd like to start getting it on YouTube as well. Or if you want to go over to the audio portion, that's cool too. Just make sure you click the listen or the subscribe button or whatever button there is on those services. There are too many different terms for me to actually try to remember. We're also on our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram. Just type in at talkin, no G, TV, podcast it's really easy it's all one word please god go yeah. give us a follow that's true it, it'd be really really appreciated chris where can the good people find you where the good people can find me well as you can see right there yeah right there um camera directions. It, yeah camera, camera directions. directions at christian Ivanko on all social media that's my instagram hence ig in case you all were wondering, this is the, you know, 2020 we're talking about. You should know that lingo by now. But if you don't, that means Instagram. Go check it out. Go follow me. I have my own personal YouTube. I have I have another podcast that I do called Talking with Andrew and Chris. And you can find it all if you just find me on Instagram. Click the link in my bio. So the easiest way to see all the other things I do outside of this show with Dom is at Instagram, at Twitter, at Facebook, Christian Ivanko. Uh, Dom. We have a few oh, things yeah. coming up on our channel this week, right? Yeah. Yes, okay. we do. Yes, we do. We've got some fun things coming up on this channel. So this episode will be released on Wednesday, the 6th, the 6th words, two days from our right recording now. date. But two days after that, on the Friday, the 8th, we have our first official watch along happening on this channel with a bunch of the other people that we've collaborated with, that being Movie Files, Flix Talk, Brando Critic, bunch of other people chris you'll know the we name were introducing a new friend as but, well uh, his <laughs> name is a guy at the movies another fellow youtuber and i'm very excited to just absolutely we're going to be doing our first watch along to begin to kick off our month of star wars festivities we're going to be watching the s supposedly malign solo a star wars story two years after its release see how that film holds up then the week after that on saturday the 16th we've got our next watch along coming up with our episode on Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Uh, for any of you who have been following us since we started our collaboration, before we actually had the Talking TV podcast, you'll know that that was our first yeah, was. ever podcast episode that we ever had together back in our DCC yep. days, Duchess dude. Community Throwing it back. So that's what you guys have to look forward to on and, the uh, if, yep. if I may, yep. solo watch along. We'd love for you guys to be there. You can hit the Remind button on our YouTube channel right now. You're already here. You're already watching us. And if you're not, go to our Instagram. If you're on an audio platform, hit that link in our bio. It's right there. RSVP to it. That's at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then next weekend, like Dom said, our Rogue One watch along, guess what? You can do the same thing. You can RSVP, turn on that little notification bell, get ready for it. Like I said, you're already here on YouTube. 
go and do it because we have another all-star cast, some of the same faces from our solo watch-along, a few new ones, and that is at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'd love to see you. We'd love to chat with you. We're going to have a little discussion after the film. We're going to be having a blast watching these films during it, and I think you're not going to want to miss this. Absolutely. And so, with all that being said, wait, Chris, what about your own social media profile, oh, I already dude? Plug yeah, oh, I appreciate that. Though. I'm just not listening. That's that, that's my fault. I was about to I was about to be like plug yourself, and then I just but, realized I'm like, but, oh um, wait, that's out. It's that time for you to right. plug yourself. I was about to pull a Troy Barnes there. <laughs> uh, watch more fucking movies, people. Happy Star Wars Month. We out.